Remember I preached a message here a few months ago, two seconds in heaven. It'll take about two seconds when you get, walk into the presence of God and all of his glory for you to forget about everything that's happened down here. Amen? All right. Well, let's jump into the word this morning. Uh, if you want to open your Bible, you can open it to the book of John chapter 6. I'm not going to start there, but I will be along in that area shortly. So if you want to get a head start and uh, turn to John chapter 6, verse 60. We'll be there in just a minute. Welcome. I see a few new faces out there. If you're a visitor this morning, if this is your first time here, we are glad you're here, really, and hope that you have already felt the presence of the Lord and hope that you continue to feel the presence of the Lord and we hope you come back. And so uh, we want you to feel welcome. And uh, those of you that have been here for a while, I'm glad you're here too. It's boring to preach to empty chairs. Believe me, I know. I've done it a little bit over here in the course of this year uh, with uh, COVID and everything. So we're just glad for you to come out and, and be a part of uh, the service this morning. And so I want to jump in this morning. The title of my message is Devotion Versus Emotion. Devotion versus emotion. And I'm going to try my best to, to get this out. So, see, preachers, we have a tendency, you know, throughout the week, uh, God kind of has to sneak up, with, sneak up on me with messages because I've got a one-track mind, a scattered mind and stuff, and so the Lord just kind of has to sneak up on me and, and put it in there where I know what he's, he's wanting to say. And so we have these thoughts and, and scriptures and ideas going through our head, and, and I, we can see it one way in our mind, and sometimes... Uh, getting it out here the way we see it in our mind is a whole different ballgame. So I want you to grab a hold of what I'm saying here this morning. And I'm just going to start by basically uh, talking about what emotion is. Okay, let's talk about as far as the definition of emotion. It's a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one circumstances, mood, or relationships. Okay, and I'll that's real fancy for basically whatever comes natural to you in a certain moment of time and a certain circumstance, what you naturally would do, okay? So I Googled it yesterday. I Googled human emotions, and it popped up a list of 20, okay? I'm going to read that list of 20 human emotions here real quick. Fear, sadness, anger, happiness, disgust, surprise, love, anxiety, satisfaction, shame, Embarrassment, awe, not like awe, but like awe, that kind of awe. Envy, boredom, amusement, anticipation, annoyance, contempt, loneliness, hatred, guilt, hostility, pride, and empathy. That was a list of 20 uh, emotions there that they, they showed. So those are the natural things that happen depending on what your circumstances, your mood, or your relationship is. So for example, um, if, if I'm hiding around the corner and you walk over there and I jump out and go, ah, you, what, you, what's your natural reaction to that circumstance? Blah, fear, right? That's what natu- It's an emotion that automatically takes place in that situation. If uh, someone you love passes away, what's your natural emotion? What's going to automatically happen? You're going to be sad. If I walk up and punch you in the face. What's going to be your natural reaction? You're going to immediately be angry, right? Because those are human emotions that just instinctively happen during those situations. And they're good. Emotions are good in their proper place. And that's what I really want to get across here this morning. Emotions are good in their proper place. God literally wired us with emotions 
in order to enhance our life. I mean, our emotions is what makes life fun. I mean, can you imagine, imagine what a life would be like with no emotions. I mean, think about, think about on Christmas morning and you buy somebody, you buy a loved one a gift that they've wanted forever. And you know, you, you spared no cost. You went out and bought the best one. They've always wanted one. They need one. And you hand it to them on Christmas morning and they open it up and they go, that's nice. Thank you. That's, they no fun in that. That's nice. Thank you. No emotion. That, that's nice. Thank you. No, it's, they're like, oh yeah, oh, I've always wanted. And it's that emotion that makes it fun, right? Imagine losing somebody and they're, they're not being any kind of emotion to that. You just walk around. See, God gives us the emotion of sadness in order to cope with our grief. We begin to cry and that, that helps us cope with it. So emotions are good. God gave them to us to enhance our life, but God did not intend on our emotions to govern our life. And there's a difference. They enhance our life, but they're never intended to govern our life. I, I, I put it this, I'll put it this way to you. Emotions are a great teammate, but they're a horrible coach, okay? A great teammate, they work good to enhance life and make things better, but you never want to be led by emotions. Emotions are all over the place. They're volatile. They're up. They're down. It all depends on the circumstances. So um, that said, can you imagine, I imagine what, what, what life would be like without any kind of emotions, but can you imagine what life would be like for you if every one of the, take those 20, all of those emotions, if every one of those emotions in your life, in your psyche, had to be perfectly in line in order for you to be fulfilled in your life. I mean, I, I listed a whole number of them. How many of, them, how many of these can you say are out of whack? Right? I mean, you, let's say you have to have all of your emotions perfectly in order in order for you to be happy and fulfilled in life. Be miserable. You know why? Because your emotions are all over the place. They're like this one day and they're like this another. You'd live a very frustrated, frustrated life. And the problem is people in a lot of cases do live that way always chasing emotions, living by their emotions, and are never able to, to quite tame them, okay? So pause there on emotions, and let's talk about devotion. Stark contrast, complete different. Devotion, the definition of devotion is to give yourself completely to something or someone. So if you look up uh, devotion, and we look at words that will describe what devotion means, you'll see words like loyal, dedicated, committed, reliable, determined, constant, steadfast, faithful. See the difference? Those are all, when we think about devoted, that's something that doesn't change. It's the same today as it is tomorrow. If you're truly devoted to something, you're going to be just as devoted to it tomorrow as you are today. Does that make sense? So God wired us with a sense of devotion to govern us. That's what governs us. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we need to do, and we do it no matter what our emotions are like on a particular day. God gave us a sense of devotion in order to get things done. It is literally devotion is what makes the world go around. Can you imagine what a world would look like if people didn't have a sense of devotion? No company could ever stay in business. I mean, if there was no, if, if human makeup didn't have, if God didn't wire us with a sense of devotion, no business could survive because no employees would ever show up. They'd show up like, eh, I don't feel like working today, so I'm gonna stay home. Some people do that anyway. But imagine if the whole world did that. Had, um, no marriage would ever last more than a year, if that long. You just say, ah, was, I'm not devoted, I'll just give it up. Nothing would, nothing would last. Children 
Children would literally live in the streets because parents would abandon them. I mean, when you have a kid, are you not devoted to it for at least 18 years and sometimes beyond? You're devoted. You have that child and there's this sense of devotion. I'm going to protect that kid. I'm going to provide for that kid. I'm going to love that kid. I'm going to do this and this. There's this devotion. But if you didn't have that devotion to the child, you wouldn't care if it wandered off. You go to Walmart and you wander up. You know, you get right now with with a sense of devotion, we get to look around. Oh no, we panic because we can't find our kid. We get on the, we get on the big intercom and we put out the Amber Alert. I mean, we shut the doors down and, and we, 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 we search until we find it hiding and giggling in behind all of the clothes or something. But if you didn't have that sense of devotion, you'd be at Walmart and you'd look around and you'd be like, well, that little kid was around here somewhere. But yeah, oh well. And you just go on, you get in your car and you go home, right? And kids would wander the street if there was no sense of devotion. There'd be no hospitals for the sick, no law enforcement for our safety, no funeral homes to bury the dead, no schools to educate our children, no postal service to deliver our mail. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It is, a, it is devotion that God instilled in us that makes the world go around. But more importantly, if there was no devotion in the human race, the church, the, what, what, what would the church be like? Imagine how much a church invests in its community. I mean, just just doing things for one thing, being involved and showing people the love of the Lord. But if there were no devotion in God's people, literally the gospel would come to a screeching halt. But tell you something, when it comes to spreading the gospel and our work for God, sometimes our emotions are high and it's great. Sometimes we're in a worship service and man, we feel the presence of God and that's working on our emotions and it's easy to worship the Lord in that situation. But what about whenever your life's falling apart? What about on a Thursday afternoon when you're just kind of in the moly grubs? Can you worship God then? If, if, you, if you're ruled and governed by your emotions, you may not be able to. And I don't feel like worshiping God. But when you have this sense of devotion to Jesus Christ, no matter what your emotions are, you can still worship, praise, and serve God despite it all. You see where I'm, getting, where I'm coming from? We have to have this. So let's, I just want to kind of compare the two. And, um, and, and then I'll, I'll come around to our scripture, okay? So... Whereas, again, I kind of mentioned this, whereas emotion is always changing, devotion remains stable, okay? Uh, emotion, now look at this, I, I work hard to come up with these little poems and these little rhymes for you guys. So listen to this close. Emotion causes commotion, but devotion sets things in motion. Everybody get that? Let me say it again. Emotion causes commotion, but devotion sets things in motion. I worked hard on that. I hope you guys appreciate that. Thank you. I, I'm looking for a hand clap here, folks. I mean, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Uh, so, but it's true. When we're governed and ruled by our emotions that are up and down, it creates commotion in our life. Let me give you a little bit of an example. I try to be as transparent with you all as I can so that you know that I'm definitely not perfect. It has always been my practice. Well, I say always that. I decided several years ago that I wasn't going to hunt on Sunday mornings anymore. Um, used to, I'd get up early, you know, daylight, I'd go out and I'd hunt a little bit before church and then get back. And it's just always such a hassle. And when I became a pastor, it became even harder to do that. And so I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. So last night I, I go out and go hunt behind the house and I find this great spot. I mean, I'm thinking, oh man, this would be perfect in the morning. And so I decided I'm going to go hunting in the morning. And Brady comes home. I told Brady, I said, hey, let's go hunting in the morning. And he said, Dad, you do realize what tomorrow morning is, right? Because he knows I don't hunt on, on Sunday morning. I said, yeah, but I'll take my phone with me. I'll have my notes and I'll kind of study while I'm out there and kind of, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll kill two birds with one stone. And, and so I get out there and I pull up my phone 
no cell service, so I can't look at my notes, okay? So the long story short is, didn't see any deer. Uh, by the time I got back to the house and got all cleaned up and got dressed, my printer wouldn't work, and nothing went right from get-go this morning. And so I'm racing, I get here, and I, I finally get here today. I'm usually here by 8.30, okay? Hour and a half early to get settled, get my mind. I'd, I'd walk around, i pray, and I'd get everything done by 8.30. I pulled in here about quarter, to 20 till 10, okay, this morning. So that's like, my point in saying that story is this, that my emotions got the best of me, right? I, my, I, my devotion to God is that I give him my Sunday morning. I, I have a responsibility to stand up here and bring you guys the bread of life and to speak a word that will, will help you and encourage you and, and convict you. And so that's my devotion and my emotions kind of got in the way of that and took over and it created commotion in my life this morning because I, I, I went beyond. And so we look at our society, what is it when you turn on the news and these people are rioting, rioting in the streets, we see pandemonium and we see commotion and chaos everywhere. What's, what's driving that? What's causing that? These people are being blinded by their emotions, right? Their, their emotions are going wild. Oh, this person said that or that person that or this person died. And, and it's just an emotional wreck. But devotion when we are sold out, remember, when we are loyal, when we are faithful, when we are dedicated to what God wants us to do, that sets things in motion. That accomplishes things and gives us purpose within our life. And good things happen from that. Um, why do the rioters riot in the street? Because of the commotion. But why do, those, why do the business owners go back in there and put the glass back in their storefronts, brave the danger, reopen, because of devotion, number one, to their business, but number two, to their families. They got to make a provi provide for their families. Devotion to their city. It's amazing what we can do against all circumstances when we don't feel like it. Amen? Bobby Smith, a good friend of mine, a lot of you know Bobby, uh, spent a lot of time in Africa building churches. And, and, and when I say churches, I mean to them, this is a church to us. In Africa, in the bush, a church is a pole barn. We would call it a pole barn. But it was literally just poles with a roof on it. And he, but, he'd be, but it would get them out from underneath the sun, the hot uh, desert sun. And, and he would go, and, he, and I'll, never, he, I'll never forget him telling this story. He said he came back one time, and he just had this extra drive because of this, this encounter. He said he gets back, and this woman, or he gets over there, and, and they're, they're having this dedication service for this church that they just built. And he said, there was a little black lady in that church. And she, he said, as they were singing and worshiping God, he said, she had her hands raised and tears were pouring out of her eyes and she's worshiping God. She kept saying, and she was saying it in, in English so that they could understand. She was saying, God, you are so good. She was singing that, you know, that God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me and crying and just worshiping God. And he said, I looked at her and I thought, she has nothing. She has nothing. We, we don't, sometimes we won't worship God that much and we've got everything. The point is, this is a, a woman who was devoted to God and it didn't matter what her circumstances were like. It didn't matter, it didn't matter what her emotions were doing to her that day. Her devotion to God pressed through all of that and I think that that's where God is bringing, we're just an emotional people. Again, emotions are good, but they gotta be in the proper order. It doesn't matter whether we feel like it or not. Why do some, why do some churches split 
over non-gospel arguments. It's bad enough to split over a gospel argument. In other words, a doctrinal difference and everybody fusses and fights. But man, I would venture to say most, of, most church splits and problems are non-gospel related. Why, why does somebody get all upset because they don't like the color of carpet I picked out or they don't like the color of the pews or they don't like the way the money's being handled or they don't like this and like that? People get emotional and they let their emotions step in. It's the churches that are, are devoted to one thing and one thing only. And that's to the preaching of the gospel. Keeping it, those are the ones that grow. Those are the ones that flourish. Those are the Christians that flourish. When we are devoted to Jesus Christ, he is faithful. See, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What, what if our service to God was the same yesterday, today, and forever? God is faithful, meaning he's never, there's never going to be a moment he lets us down. What if, man, what if the church could learn how to be as faithful to God as he is to us? you imagine what we could accomplish for the kingdom of God? We want to, in a lot of ways. I think we want to be that faithful. And Jesus knows that in deep down, we want to be that faithful. Remember when the disciples were all falling asleep. They're in the garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is trying to wake them up, and, he is, and they kept falling asleep. And he said, your, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, right? Or the flesh is where all of our emotional, emotionalism comes from. Emotionalism, emotionalism is gauged uh, gauges everything by what we feel, whereas devotion gauges everything by what we know. There, there's a huge difference. There's, how we, there's what we feel and there's what we know, okay? I just didn't feel like it. That doesn't matter. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. Emotion hinges on nostalgia, especially, you know what nostalgia is? Nostalgia is this feeling that a memory brings you. You know, I mean, nostalgia is fine, you know, at Christmas time around the family. You, something happens and it reminds you of something in the past, but it has no place in the church necessarily, okay? And, and many times we're, we're driven by, our service to God is driven by nostalgia. We want, it, we want church to feel the same as it did when we were a kid or something like that. And you'll you remember, by the way, those of you that were here when we were in the old building, uh, to just put it out of your minds right away because when, I, when we get in, I said, when we get in the new building, it's not going to feel the same. Do you remember me saying that? It's not about nostalgia. It's not about how it feels. And I've had, there have been people leave church before that. It just, it just doesn't feel the same. It's not about what it, how it feels. It's about what you know, okay? We're not driven by emotion. We're driven by desire. We are driven by passion. We are driven by devotion to God. And so the Bible says that he that endures to the end is the one that is saved. The one who endures to the end is the one who is saved. We don't, we don't speak to God. People, a lot of times we have a tendency, we're, we're, we're seeking God and people say, well, I just need God to speak to me. I need God to give me a word. And, and, and what many people mean by that is they, they want some sort of, they want a, a prophet or somebody to come and, and put their hand on them and pray and this big emotional thing. And the thing about it is why would God speak to us in a supernatural way to tickle our emotions when we ignore his written word, right? See, because God has already spoken to us. And when we go by what we know rather than by what we feel, then God can speak to us and give us the direction that we're desperately looking for. We, we, like, to hear, we like to hear the thundering voice of God. And I've heard, let me... I've heard, I've, I've been there. There have been times, because let me say something. When, when we are in devotion to God and God speaks and he works in our midst, it does trigger our emotions in a lot of ways. I've been in, in scenarios, whether it was in a personal 
a personal prayer meeting, just me and God, and times in, in churches where God showed up in such an amazing way, and it literally was like a rushing mighty wind, and the goosebumps go all over you, and you begin to cry, and that's, and that's good, and that's great, but I don't have to have that in order to know how to love my neighbor, amen? I don't always like my neighbor. My neighbor is my father-in-law. No, I'm just kidding. I always like Rick. Yeah, you tell him. Please do. I may not always like my neighbor. I mean, and you, know, and, and, you know, I may like him one day, but the next day he may be getting on my nerves. And so do I only love him on the days I feel like it? Or because I'm devoted to Jesus Christ and he tells me to love my neighbor no matter what, do I put my emotions on the side and do what I'm devoted to do? Amen? That's what God is calling us to do in every, in every scenario. There's a lot of emotionalism that takes place within the church, and you, you get to looking at things. The, the, the power of God is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. When you look at the gifts of the Spirit and the, and the way that God works through his church in, in, in uh, healing and uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues, prophecy, knowledge, all of these types of things that God does throughout his church, and people in a lot of ways have put that all aside and have become afraid of the moving of the spirit. And, uh, and one of the reasons why is because many people within the church for so many years have just been operating in some sort of emotionalism. People with good intentions can just get emotional about stuff. And the bottom line is God gave us those gifts. God gave us the spirit as tools, tools to spread the gospel tools to do something for the kingdom of God, not to just get goosebumps. I've seen people roll on the floor at church just trying to get this feeling. That's not what it's all about. It's not about a feeling. It's about what we know. Feelings are great, and they come, but it's about what we know. And what do we know? We're called to spread the gospel to the lost that they might be saved and come to know Jesus Christ. Amen? So emotions a lot of times will come out of our devotion, like I said a minute ago, but very seldom will devotion come out of our of our emotions um every, everyone's emotions are different some people some people cry easily some people don't some people are a little bit more emotional or show their emotions some people don't cry some people if you know you're hearing whether it's a service and boy you get excited some people may go woo some people may shout some people won't emotions are too different for us to be governed by them you know i try i come in here again i try to be transparent but you know I don't always come in here in a good mood. You know, I try to. You know, there's, there's times where I come to church a little troubled, maybe a little cranky. I know it's hard for anybody to believe that I would ever be cranky. Things is not going, I was cranky this morning. I ain't going to lie. I was cranky. Nothing was going right. I tried three printers to print my notes. Nothing was going to work, and I was cranky. And it guess, guess who I had to blame? Right, you know, so I was cranky. Uh, but so if I, if I, if I pastored this church and preach and govern, govern by the way my emotions felt, you'd be all over the place. So I have to put all that aside because I know what God has called me to do. Does this make sense? And you know what God has called you to do. Um, man, emotion, you can, David, it's, it's, in, it's interesting when you read through Psalms, David wrote a lot of the Psalms and David was an emotional person. I mean, uh, you can read about it in, in his psalms. His emotions, you, well, you know, you read one psalm. I should have looked this up. Uh, but, you know, like one day, 
He, he, David always had somebody after him. Somebody was always trying to kill him. I mean, you can imagine living that way. That would get your emotions stirred up, I imagine. He's, he's always running for his life, and the people are always out to try and kill him. And so, like, you'll read a, a psalm that he wrote on this day, and he, and he writes this. Woe is me! You know, whoa, and he's like, you can tell he's all scared. But they're surrounding me, and I'm, the, the death is upon me, and he's just, he's really worried, and he's scared, and he's all emotional. And then over here on this other day, people are still trying to kill him, and he writes this. Though thousands surround me, I will go to bed, and I will sleep like a baby. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's literally what he says. He says, I'm, I'm going to go to bed. I ain't worried about it. Circumstances were the same. His motions were a little, a little different. But he, he remained devoted uh, to God. Many reasons why it's always been a concern to me. It's always it's discouraging, I think. We've, we've, we've seen it here. I think every church has. And people will come to the altar, you know, we'll have a church service and, and have the word and the presence of God is here. And, and that stirs conviction. It should. Let me tell you something. If, if we ever go to church and there's no conviction, what is conviction? First off, you don't know what conviction is. It's just the sense that you need to make things right with God. Okay, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you're, you're convicted, you have this feeling of kind of guilt and you realize, okay, I'm not right with God. And, and it makes you, it's, it's, it's the feeling that makes you want to go to the bathroom when I give the altar call. Okay, it's the feeling you have that wants you, you want to get out of this room at whatever cost because you don't like that feeling. It's, that's messing, that's getting all up in my grill and I don't like the feeling of that. That's, that's conviction. And, and, and it makes us uncomfortable, but without that, we can't be saved. Without conviction, we're just comfortable in our sin. So we got to have that conviction that stirs us and then we, we come to the, to the knowledge of the truth and we get saved. Um, and so then what happens when we feel that conviction and a lot of times people will, will come to the altar and respond to the invitation and cry. There's been many tears cried on the altars and seemingly a salvation taking place. We would assume that they're getting saved and, and never see them again. They, never, they don't serve the Lord from then on. They leave and they, they never come back. What, what happened there? What's, what's going on there? What happened was they had an emotional experience. The conviction was tapping on their emotions, making them feel guilty and ashamed and sad and fearful about where they're going to spend eternity. And so they, they have an emotional experience, but they never quite have that devotional experience. Their emotions are stirred for a little bit, but what happens to emotions? They're here, they're gone, they're good one day, they're gone the next. But whenever somebody comes up here and has a devotion experience, they say, Lord, I am, I am all in. I am giving you my entire life. That's what, that's what we said in my, devotion was, was to give yourself completely to something or to someone. I, I will serve you, God, from this moment. I'm going to serve you to the rest of my life. Those are the ones that come back next Sunday. That's what God is looking for, not some sort of empty confession because somebody's, somebody's there, was a, there was a song playing and some preacher like me was up here begging and pleading and their emotions got, got tapped on. That's, that's not it. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for all out, 100%, holding nothing back devotion from all of us. And I think God deserves that, don't you? So let's, let's go into John chapter 6 here and... and Kind of look at this scenario. We see this. This still happens today. But let's look at how Jesus handled this in John chapter 6. Now, um, you know, Jesus has been, in, you know, his ministry has been going. He's got a, quite a following. Let's put it that way. When we think of Jesus' disciples, we think of the 12, right? The main 12 disciples. But how many disciples did Jesus have? 
He had hundreds. He had a bunch. There was a bunch of people that followed Jesus everywhere he went. And so let's read here in uh, chapter 6, verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, uh, but well, let me back up and tell you what they heard. Jesus is preaching a message to them, and he says, this is what he says, okay? Now, look at it from their perspective. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. And the only way, basically, the only way for you to get to the Father is through me. The only way for to have eternal life, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay, that seems like an odd thing to say. And I, but obviously what Jesus is talking about, not literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood, but what he's saying is this, I am the only means of salvation. You cannot get to God unless you come. You have to take me in. That's what happens when you eat something. You're taking it in. You have to completely, 100%, be devoted to me and leave your old life behind you. That's what Jesus is teaching them in a nutshell. So when, verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have, including emotions, right? It's the emotions that come from our flesh. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Look at this. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. In other words, Jesus knows which one of the people who come to the altar are going to come back and which ones aren't. He knows. He can see the heart. He, he looks past all of the emotions and he looks at the intent of the heart. Is there devotion there? And he could tell a lot of these disciples did not have that devotion. They were, they were following Jesus out of an emotional experience. I mean, think about this now. Uh, Jesus is taking little fishes and loaves and breaking them and feeding thousands of people. So everywhere they went, Jesus made sure their belly was full. Okay? I'm not sure hunger is an emotion, although it, it registers on my list. Hunger may not be an emotion, but it definitely triggers some emotions. You know, sometimes we get, what are they calling it these days? We get hangry when we're, we're so hungry we're mean to people. But Jesus knew which ones were devoted and which ones were not. These people were serving the Lord. They were following the Lord out of an emotional sense. He was, he was giving them food. They were getting to see cool stuff happen. I mean, there, some of them standing there at the tomb of Lazarus, a man who had been dead for four days, and they watched Jesus raise him from the dead and bring him. They watched Jesus uh, heal lame people, people who could never see before. He's healing. So, so they're seeing all of this cool stuff. But when it really come down to it, and it was going to start costing them something, when it come down to Jesus saying, look, I'm not looking for you to follow me emotionally. I want you to be devoted to me. Uh, that's when they pulled back on the reins. Now, it's a whole different ball game now. And this is what happened. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my father. After this, many of his disciples, not sinner people, not people who were just out there demon possessed and wicked, but disciples, people who had been following him emotionally, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said, by the way, let me say this. We talked about this in one of our Wednesday night Bible studies here just a couple weeks ago. By the way, 
um, let me make a little commercial for the Wednesday night Bible study. If you don't currently come to, uh, to Bible study on Wednesday nights, you, you, ought to, you ought to consider doing it. We have some really good Bibles. We have classes for every age group, teenagers, uh, preteens, little, little kids, uh, and an adult, adult class, and we, we get a little deeper into the Word of God and dissect the Word of God. Um, we're here for, I mean, it's an hour. It's literally it's just an hour out of your week to come and, and get a little deeper in the Word. Um, if, you're, if you haven't been coming, come. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it, I promise. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't enjoy it, uh, I'll give you your money back, okay? Um, so here's what's interesting about this verse. Coincidence? I don't think so. It's John chapter 6, verse 66. John 6, 6, 6. What do you automatically think of when you hear the number 666? You think of the mark of the beast, you think of the antichrist, right? Uh, in, in Revelation, you know, we, we think about the antichrist being this, this guy who will rise to world power and, and, and deceive the world and all that. That's true, all that going to take place. But John, in, in one of his letters, in 1 John, back towards the end of the Bible, he writes that the spirit of antichrist is already in the world. And he says, many of those who walked with us, he said, they, they really weren't with us. They were with us, but they weren't with us, and they turned back. And I believe he's making reference to this. It's interesting that the verse where the people turned away and never followed Jesus anymore is John 666. Isn't that interesting? Coincidence? I don't think so. Anyway, these people who had been following Jesus emotionally, when it come down to a solid devotion, what it was going to cost them, they were out. And they turned and they walked away and they didn't follow him anymore. And Jesus turns to his, his 12, his main disciples, and he said to them, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter had the best answer. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know, I think the King James says, and we are sure that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Those 12, they had their issues too, but they were devoted. From the moment Peter left his boat, he was ready to serve Jesus. And there was times, even though we, he, later he, 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 he denied Jesus, he, deep down, because we all fall short, deep down, he was ready to go to his grave. And he did, eventually, I might add. This same Peter who said, Lord, there's nothing out there for me anymore. I'm not, I'm not just following you for the emotional rush. Where would I go? that I could receive the fulfillment and the peace and, and, and the joy and the contentment that I feel inside. Where in the world could I go and get that? And the answer to that question is nowhere. Nothing that this world provides you. The, this world is full of stuff that will tickle your emotions, full of stuff that will give you an emotional roller coaster ride that will just thrill you, but it doesn't fulfill your soul. There's one thing that fulfills us, and that is our devotion to Jesus Christ, and that it, that, and that alone. Amen? Amen? There's a, I'm going to give you a quiz here in just a second. How many, okay, I haven't been up here too awful long. I've only been up here for 35 minutes, so I've got another 35 minutes in me. Um, there's a, a lady we read about in Scripture. We, we, we see where, again, I'm not preaching against emotion. It's good. In fact, I think we ought to show more emotion. I really do. Especially when it regards worshiping God. Forget about what everybody, I mean, we're not, forget about what everybody else, what, what, if, what if everybody individually worshiped God in this place like we were the only person in the room? Amen? How would you really worship God? But that, that's beside the point. But um, 
Uh, in fact, what was my point? Oh, yeah, I remember now. So, so the, the, this lady we read about in the scripture, uh, Jesus is sitting down. He's having dinner with a bunch of religious sticks in the mud. And this woman comes in. And she's a, everybody knows her. They know her background. She's a very, she's a prostitute. I mean, she just didn't have a good name in, in the community. She was a sinful woman. But she had been changed. She'd been changed by the power of Jesus Christ and his blood. That name we sang about a minute ago, what a powerful name it is. This woman who had been demon-possessed, essentially, and Jesus sets her free, and now her life is completely new because that's what Jesus does. He makes our life completely new. He washes our sin. And this woman comes in to this dinner. She's not, she don't care. She couldn't care less of who's there. All these big religious rich people are thumbing their nose down at her. She couldn't care less. She, all she was focused on was Jesus was in that room. And she was aiming to show him how much she loves him, show him devotion. And she walks in, the Bible says, she breaks open a, an alabaster box of ointment, very expensive, the Bible says, very, very costly. She spared no expense to show Jesus what he means to her. She was literally symbolically saying, nothing in this world it means more to me than you do. Not my money, not this oil, not my home. Nothing means more to me than you. If I lost everything I've got, but I've got you, that's good enough. And she pours that oil on Jesus' feet and she begins, and tears, she's pouring tears on his feet and she washes his hair with her tears. We see some emotions there? Well, absolutely. She's crying, she's, she's happy, she's overjoyed. But it wasn't just an emotional experience. She is showing devotion by being a servant to Jesus and kneeling down. Jesus is looking for people I think he deserves people folks and I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody I've got just as much work to do on this if, if not more than anybody else but we give God what's left a lot of times in our life and we'll if it's convenient for us and if I'm in a good mood that day maybe I'll I'll give him but devotion says if I am like Job you know Job had a roller he was on a roller coaster ride but in the end he said God brought me into this world and God, I came into this world empty and naked and I'm going to leave this world empty and naked. And despite all of the roller coaster ride of emotions, he was ultimately completely devoted to God and God deserves that. So I'm going to give you a quiz. I'm just going to go through a couple um, scenarios here, scripture accounts that we read about in the scripture. And you tell me if it's emotional, if this person was operating in emotion or if he was operating or if they were operating in devotion, okay? Now, more importantly, as we go through this, I want you to put yourself in this particular situation. Let these situations compare yourself, okay? If I was in, be honest with yourself, if I was in that scenario, would I be the one operating in emotion or would I be operating in devotion? So we read about a young man, we call him the rich young ruler, that comes to Jesus one day and he says to him, Lord, what must I do? to have eternal life. And Jesus says to him, uh, well, you know, you're supposed to keep the commandments. And the guy says, oh yeah, I've done that my whole life. He starts patting himself on the back. I've kept the commandments my whole life. I've always gone to church. I've done this and I've done this and I've done that. And Jesus said, well, one thing you lack, I mean, that's good. And I know that you're emotionally, you're proud of yourself for all that. But one thing you lack, go and sell everything you've got 
He's a very wealthy man. Go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the Bible says that the man hung his head and he became sorrowful because he was very rich. And he turned away and walked off and he never did follow Jesus. Was this a man who was operating in emotion or was this a man operating in devotion? Emotions. I'm in Jesus as long as it doesn't cost me more than I'm willing to give. Not good enough, amen? Not good enough for Jesus. A man by the name of Zacchaeus who was a tax collector, he was a thug. He was just a dishonest little uh, twerp. Robbed, I mean, cheated people in their taxes. And one day Jesus is coming through town. Zacchaeus jumps up, he climbs up in this tree so he could see. And Jesus walks right up to the tree and calls him by name and says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down from there. Uh, let's go to your house and talk for a little while. And he goes and he spends time talking to Jesus. And Jesus is pouring into him, speaking to him. And just a little while in the presence of God changes everything. Amen? Just a little while in the presence of God. And he realized who he was talking to. He realized that conviction set in. He realized how wrong he had been. He recognized his sin. And he says to Jesus, Lord, I will go back and I will pay back every dollar I cheated people. Fourfold, if I remember correctly. If I, if I cheated them out of a buck, I'll give them four bucks. Hold on. Excuse me. I'll give, I'll give it all back. Is this a man who was just operating in emotion? Or is this a man who was operating in devotion? Devotion. He was devoted. I don't care what it costs me, Lord. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do what's right because you mean more to me than anything that this world has. Moses was a man, the Bible says, I think in Hebrews it explains, it's talking about Moses. Starting off, you know, as a boy, he's raised in Egypt. He's not, not only just raised in Egypt, he's raised in the palace of Egypt. And he's got, I mean, he grows up being the son of the king, <coughs> Pharaoh. I mean, the finest meat, the finest food the world could provide, he had it. The best clothing, he had it. The best palaces and places to live, he had it. Walk down the street, people bow down to him. Prestige, popularity, fame, he had it. And he literally lays down every bit of that. And goes out into a, the back of a desert where God gets a hold of him and sends him back to Egypt to deliver the Israelites. And I think it's the writer of Hebrews that says that, God, that Moses chose to leave Egypt rather than endure the pleasure of sin for a season. Because again, emotion, sin, and flesh, all that's fun for a while. But there comes a point where you're like, okay, but really where is this leading me? I mean, yeah, I'm drunk and I feel good and everybody's, you know, shouting praises and I'm having, having fun at this party, but then what? I mean, really, what's, what is this really doing for me? Okay, I, I, I cheat people and I've got a lot of money in my account, but well, now what? Where is that really? Emotions, eventually that all pleasure and sin, but it's just for a little while. And Moses, rather than live it up his entire life, decides, <coughs> sorry, I'm still getting over this cough. He lays all of that down in order to go and, and do what God called him to do and lead Israel out of Egypt to become the mightiest nation. A man ruled by emotions or devotion? Devotion. One of my, this is my favorite one. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind this up. So, we read it in Kings, Elijah was a prophet of God and he was, he did, God did some amazing things through him. But it was coming to the point where Elijah was gonna be taken. He was just literally gonna be taken to heaven and so he was going 
God was calling him to appoint a successor, somebody to take his place. And the Bible says that there was a man by the name of Elisha who's out in his field. He's got a hold of a yoke. He's, he's walking behind a yoke of oxen. He's oxen. He's plowing the field. He's working. And as he's walking along, plowing with the oxen, and Elijah comes up to him and taps him and basically says, you know, gives him the opportunity of a lifetime to become the prophet of God in the land. And the Bible says that Elisha took this yoke of oxen. The, the yoke is the big wooden thing that goes over their necks and holds them together. He takes the yoke, breaks it all up, sets it on fire, takes the oxen, kills them, chops them up, cooks them on the fire, has a big party, eats the oxen, and then he goes and he follows Elijah. Is this a man that's just caught up in emotion? Or is this a man who's devoted? I mean, he, he literally is saying, I will never come back to this way of life. I, I'm, I'm putting all of this behind. An emotional person would just say, okay, well, I'm going to put these in the barn, and I'm going to go live this. This is going to be kind of cool for a while. Go out there, I'm going to watch people be healed and this and that. But, but then whenever he starts getting persecuted and the emotions are gone, yeah, I think I'm going to go back home and go back to my oxen. And the Bible says this, any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. Anybody that starts off good and they're emotional, remember that seed Jesus talked about that it, when it hears the gospel, it springs up immediately, but then after a while, whenever the sun comes out, it kind of kills all that seed. He said, so we take hold of the plow and look back. In fact, this is kind of gross, but the Bible says it's, it's like a dog that goes back to his own vomit. That's kind of nasty, but that's, but that's what he's getting at. He's wanting people that will burn the oxen. I'm in this, Lord. I am in this to the end. Jesus deserves that. Nobody in the world, nobody in human history has ever, has ever exemplified what it is to be devoted like Jesus Christ, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' emotions worked hard on him in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's, he's just hours away from being crucified. Can you imagine what your emotions would be doing to you if you knew that within hours you were going to be nailed to a cross. The Bible says that he cried and he, he wept and prayed and his, his sweat was like great drops of blood. He intensely prayed. What was one of those emotions? I mean, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every point like we are. In other words, he experienced, every, when he was here on this earth in human form, he experienced every human emotion that you and I experience. And most of them, I think, he experienced right there in the garden. This fear, this dread, this anxiety for the cross and what he was about to go through. And, and he even, come to the point where he even prayed, and he said, Lord, if there's, if there's any way, please let this cup pass from me. Ultimately, what he was saying was this, don't make me go through with it. I mean, if, if there's any other way we can save the souls of mankind, let's, let's do it a different way, but don't, don't make me go through it. His emotions are just tugging and pulling and beating on him because he was human like you and I are. And he literally, but he says this, he shoves off the emotions and he says to the father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's not about what I want, Lord. My emotions are saying this and that and something else. 
but I'm not living by my emotions. I'm living in devotion to you. And out of his devotion to the Father and out of his devotion to you and me, he shucked the emotions and he marched forward in devotion to the cross so that you and I could be saved here today. And then we sometimes give him so little because we maybe are sad or we don't feel like it. He deserves everything we've got. Amen? So what's your, let me just end by asking you this question. What is your devotion to the Lord looking like these days? And nobody can answer that but you. What, what's your devotion to the Lord looking like these days? Are you sold out or is it kind of a roller coaster with you? So, and, and if that's the case, uh, I've been there done that i'm not pointing fingers and god the purpose of this, purpose of this message is not to condemn or <coughs> excuse me or to uh, put anybody down it's for us to take a good inventory of our heart of our mind where where am i at right now with with jesus do i find myself getting bored you know bored i'll i'll lurch forward and i'll do stuff for god for a while but then you know i have a bad day or have a busy day and well now i'm just gonna or is there a is there a driving force within your soul and you're loving, you find yourself loving Jesus more every day. If you're not there, then this is a good opportunity to get there. Amen? To pray and ask God to give you that devoted heart like he had. Amen? Bow with me this morning if you would. Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize our weaknesses. We recognize, God, that as human beings we fail time and time again. And we do battle, Lord, with our emotions. We battle with our flesh. And God, we just pray that through your spirit, you would give us power and strength to overcome our flesh, to not be ruled by it, not to be led by it, but to be led by your spirit. The devotion that you give us, Lord God, to seek you first, looking at everything that we have and everything we are in life as secondary to our service to you. Stir our hearts today, God. Convict us. Bring that conviction we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> For those here today, Lord, and those watching by live stream who are not saved, God, and their, their soul literally hangs in the balance. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. And I know you don't want to see anybody go to hell. That's why you went to the cross. That's why you put your emotions aside and was devoted to the cross so that we could be saved right here today. Would you bring people, reach out your arms and bring every soul that's lost into your kingdom today. To the Christian Lord who's discouraged, downcast, sad, and maybe going through hard things and emotions are trying to take over and take the reins. God, I just pray that you would so gently and sweetly come in and let them see that you're still there. I pray that the devotion they have for you would rise up to give them steadfastness. That unwavering faith that keeps us, Lord God, in the center of your will, despite our situations. Have your perfect work here today, God, in Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please, as they sing a song of invitation today. These altars are open.